The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill Griff. Welcome to Caught Between Generations. I am so happy that you've joined me today. I know how busy you are as a caregiver, so it really means a lot to us when you take time out of your day to share some time and to listen to us. So, listen, today is National Hug-A-Geek Day. Did you know that? Actually, I'm going to introduce you soon to my new co-host. She read that and she actually looked that up because she thought it was real. (laughs) It's actually not. But I figure, you know, I make these things up all the time. You know, what the heck? It's a good excuse. Go go hug someone. It will make you feel better. It will make them feel better. So tell them it's National Hug or whatever. Sometimes I had a national Be Nice to Your Mother Day because I thought we needed that in our house. So just go hug someone today. So I am not a geek. Um, However, I'm joined today by a geek whose books I actually have learned to enjoy and love. Um, And the reason for that is that he has such great suggestions and ideas and things that I've actually been able to do with my grandchildren that I thought were fabulous. So whether you're a mom or you're a dad, it really doesn't make a difference. Um, We're going to talk about some technology-related activities and things today, all the way from geek nursery rhymes all the way through great science projects and projects you can do with your high school students that will bring you together um, as a family. But before I do that, I want to introduce you, okay, to my new co-host, whose name is Deanna Albrecht, and she is an expert at digital marketing and communications. But the reason I've asked Deanna to join me is my new co-host. She has an advantage over me that I will never regain, which is she's younger than I am. She's younger than I am, and her children are younger than my children. So Deanna brings will bring to the show a different perspective, which I think will be really valuable for us. The other thing is, is one of the feedback pieces of feedback I've gotten from you is that we don't have enough banter, all right? So I love to banter with the guests, but I find it really hard to banter any more than that when I'm sitting in a studio by myself. So we think that with Deanna joining me as a co-host and having the fabulous guests that we have that will really have a lot more banter and and you'll learn a lot and continue to learn a lot um, and get great tips for caregiving and for other things in your life. But 
it will come across in more banter. And plus, as I said, Deanna brings the perspective of someone who is younger uh, with younger children. So welcome to the show, Deanna. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Meryl, for having me. Um, I'm very excited to be sitting in this chair uh, <laughs> next to you, across from you. Number one, I think that you've done a wonderful job of hosting the show on your own. You really have. You've Thank held you. your own here. Um, and number two, while you certainly didn't need a co-host, I think that having me here can be helpful because, yes, I'm a mom of two older adult children, and they might not want me to tell their ages Um And then I'm also a mom of one younger child, and he's 10, and he doesn't uh, get asked permission whether I can share his age or not. But number three is that I just, I love books, and whether they know it or not, um, some of my BFFs, they're authors. And so I'm really excited to be here with you, and I'm very happy to hear from today's guest. That's great. Thank you. This is going to be great. So joining us today on this new excursion and 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 a first is Ken is Ken Denmead and he is the author of a number of geek dad books including the geek the geek dad's guide to weekend fun cool hacks cutting edge games and more awesome projects for the whole family and as I said before don't be concerned if you're a mom the show is also for you. We're going to be talking about geek moms, great websites for your kids, and and we're going to be asking some questions like, what's really wrong with your kids being bored for a little bit of time? So, Ken, welcome to Caught Between Generations. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And uh, I want to absolutely reiterate, even though the book is the geek dad, but, you know, it's all about parents who are passionate about things. Geeks are people that are passionate about a subject. It doesn't have to be technology, but, you know, obviously technology is on the forefront right now, but, you know, and and parents are always passionate about their kids, so if, you know, we want to give every parent, moms, dads, whatever, the, uh, the tools and the ideas to do fun activities with their kids, maybe get a little science, a little education into those activities, but So actually, Ken, I was going to ask you that about, you know, what really is a geek? Because it's an interesting word because usually there's so much, sometimes anyway, there really is some negative connotation attached to the word geek. Um, And sometimes kids use it negatively in speaking to each other. Um, So so what really is a geek? Well, I mean, it's... The first thing I've learned over the years is is not is, is to try and uh, you know first of all with a word like this be positive. I mean, it. I am I am a geek about many things. I, I look at being a geek as being passionate to perhaps the point of social exclusion at times about any given subject. And you know, I happen to be really passionate about uh, gaming and computers and uh, things on the internet. I'm really geeky about holiday light displays and uh, weather stations and things like that. And, you know, everybody has something that they're geeky about, whether it's yeah, it's football, maybe it's basketball. Are you the person that can cite team statistics running back 20 years for your favorite, ball, you know, your favorite team? That may, you're a geek about that subject. So don't, don't, 
look at it as a way of separating someone away from, from you. Oh, you're a geek, blah, blah, blah. Think of it as a, a factor that can attract you to other people. There are always going to be other geeks about things that you love in this world. So, so embrace being a geek about a thing and then find those other people and build your own community. So, Ken... You have great ideas in your books, but you know what? As I said at the beginning, I'm not a geek. Maybe Deanna's a geek, but I'm, <laughs> she probably is, but I'm not a geek. And, you know, I can't even do things like so. All right, really. Lots to talk about building. So, for instance, you have activities like a 21st century superhero cape. It sounds great, but, you know, Ken... I can't sew. I'm not a geek. So what do I do? I mean, can I really can I really do these things? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, the the idea of all of the projects in these books are that first of all, they they should be doable by by the parents and the kids. You know, depending upon the age of the kid, depending upon the the experience of the parent, you know, maybe it'll going to take you a little more time, and, and you might have to work for a couple of iterations, but that's the learning aspect of it, and, and when you come out on the other side, you're actually going to know how to do something that maybe you didn't before. Now, I mean, that, that superhero cape example is actually a good one, because it doesn't assume that you can sew at all. It, it's about using bias tape to, to uh, stick together fabric and build a really simple, straightforward cape that, you know, your kid will use and play with and, and build their imagination with. It, and it's something that, you know, mom or dad crafted with their hands for the kid. It, it's going to mean that much more. So, it sounds great, but I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. I mean, <laughs> I work. I have children, I have a home. I, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, are you kidding me, Ken? I mean, you sound like a great guy, but when am I going to have time to do this? I mean, this is just impossible to even fathom, to even think about. Well, I even, I mean, part of what I, the thought that I put into all of these books is every single project in there has a recommend, has, has, a, has a duration to question. So how long should a thing take? And the point isn't that, okay, you need to spend three hours every weekend building uh, a potato cannon with your kids. You know, there are lots of smaller projects in there that can be done in 10 or 20 minutes. And, you know, it's up to us as parents to find the time to spend with our kids. And some of that time will probably be working on homework and and, and talking to them about their day and things like that. But hopefully some of that time can be building something together and sharing that creative experience together. And that's what I'm, you know, the ideas I present in these books, that's all they're, they're trying to do. And, and maybe you don't even do the projects that are in the book, but something in the book inspires another idea, something that you can do with things that you have lying around the house. You know, it, it, it's more about the experience than it is about the specific project. Yeah, I would um, agree with you. Um, as, a, as a therapist, I often used to talk to parents about play as really a behavior management tool. You know, that you think you, you can't expend the time, but actually it makes everything go faster and better. And I would say to parents, if you actually time how much time you're spending on disciplining and screaming, all right, and then you start playing, 
and you thought you really look at the time, you're going to find out you're it, it, it's not only more enjoyable, but you're actually spending less time. All right, um, doing something you enjoy than spending more time screaming and getting everybody upset. So I agree with you. So yeah, can every every we, minute you spend doing a shared experience that you're both being enriched by is worth an hour of sending your kid off to go watch television and they start arguing with their brother or sister and you have to yell at them. It's just it, it's really so valuable. So. Ken, we don't have a lot of time before the first break, but what is your kind of favorite activity uh, for early school-age children? Because everything in your books are divided up according to recommendations for ages. Well, you know, um, one thing that I love a lot is anything that starts with building with Legos. And, uh, (laughs) you know, in some of my books, and I'm just going to go back to, to, to all of my books here. Um, uh, I, I love, for example, one of my favorites was just building uh, holiday decorations out of Legos, Lego bricks. Sorry, I, if you're a real Lego geek, you don't call them Legos. You call them Lego bricks. That's an important thing. I learned something new I today. Oh, I Lego can be bricks. Yeah. Lego bricks. I can be a cool grandmother now. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, another one that I, uh, I love, and this, this one's for more for the parents who are tech savvy, but the kids who are younger and, and whom you just want to give an amazing experience to, is setting up a high tech treasure hunt. The idea Ken, being is you could actually Ken, build. Yeah. Ken, I'm going to ask you to hold on to your treasure, all right, <laughs> for just oh, a no moment. We, we need to go to break as soon as we come back. We're talking to Ken Demid, uh, a geek dad. We'll be back and, and hold on because we're going to be talking about treasure hunts. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At SarahCare, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening 
to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Call Between Generations. I am Dr. Merrill, and I'm here with my new co-host, Deanna Albrecht. <laughs> and we are here with Ken Denmead, who is the author of many Geek Dad books. Um, and before the break, we were talking about uh, a treasure hunt. So, Ken, can you continue t- telling us about that? Absolutely. Now, this one is, is for parents that maybe have a little more of a experience uh, doing things on the on the web on the internet, but the idea is is that it's it's, it's pretty easy, especially if you've got you know, a home computer and a home network that you can actually set up local web pages. Okay, you could actually have like your own website sitting on your home computer, and then you could access that with say a smartphone or a tablet, and it's not that tough to then, you know, give your kids, you know, their phone, their tablet. You point them to the first page that you create, and every and it has clues. And they have to go start, you know, searching around the house to find clues. When they find the next clue, it tells them to go to another page on their home network. And this is a way that you can set up kind of a treasure hunt at home. I've done this with my kids. It's kind of, kind of like an extension of how we would always do fun like Easter egg hunts and put and hide clues every step of the way, but you can actually take this a step further into, into the internet age and do it with their, 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 you know, they've probably got maybe a little tablet that they play games on and, and read books on and you can do it with that. I think this is a great idea for uh, Easter egg hunts and maybe chores. Hot chores! <laughs> put chores on there! <laughs> I thought about chores. That's where my mind was going. Chores. Can we put chores on a game or on the website where they would have Absolutely. to find the next? That's a great yeah. idea. That's a, that's a. I never well, thought I about chores. There was one of the other, uh, in one of the other books, I also sort of outlined the idea of, of turning all of a kid's structure of chores and responsibilities and and the, the, the bonuses and privileges that they get turn that all into a, uh, a role-playing game like Dungeons & Dragons where they actually sort of create, they themselves are a, are a character, they're a warrior or a wizard or whatever, and as they do the tasks, their character gains experience and then gets new, uh, new responsibilities and new privileges. And it's a way to kind of gamify uh, the, the whole experience and teach them the results of, you know, hard work gets you more responsibility, but gets you more privileges. I think that's great. That's great. So, Ken, the title of one of your books is The Geek Dad's Guide to Weekend Fun, Cool Hacks, Cutting Edge Games, and More Awesome Projects for the Whole Family. So, I want to get back to the cool hacks, because, Ken, I watch Criminal Minds. And I know that hacking is not legal, Ken. So what is this with the title of Cool Hacks? I don't well, get again, it. Well, there's, there's, there's a word whose, whose connotations have been, have, have in some circles, been kind of co-opted by, a, by the, the bad things that can be done. But 
hacking at its base level is just about using something in a way that it wasn't originally designed to be used. Now, on Criminal Minds, they're talking about breaking into a computer system and make, you know, making it tell you information that the owners don't want you to tell. And, you know, that's a, that's a bad thing. But when I'm, you know, what, what's in the, in the maker community out there, the idea of hacking is merely, you know what, you own the things that you own. You own your tools. You own your gadgets and so forth. You have a right to go into them to fix them if they break down without having to go spend thousands of dollars taking them into an authorized reseller. Sort of like the good old days when you had a Zenith radio and you built it yourself and then you would fix it yourself. And also taking, taking pieces from different things and, and putting together to do new things, which is sort of the heart of creativity. So hacking is not a bad thing. Hacking is being smart and creative and, uh, you know, building and creating out of things that you wouldn't normally think of creating out of. You know, I hadn't thought about this for a long time, but when you said this, this is not exactly a tech project, but when I was taking art therapy uh, many years ago, the, um, she had a project called um, Sculpture. It was with Good Junk. And good junk was all this stuff like the end of a ribbon or, you know, a, a strange, you know, a button you're not going to use or whatever it is, all this stuff that clutters your drawers and perhaps one day you get to th- actually throw away. And she would put it all into a bag and then just take like a piece of wood or paper and have just throw it out on the table, the good junk, and then kids would create with it. Uh, it was a great activity. It's a great idea. Yeah, it was right up my alley. For those of us who can't draw a straight line, it was like, <laughs> yeah, I can do good junk. This is good. Yeah. yeah and that's, and how, thought, that's really the heart of hacking, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> see? It started with junk. Yeah, see, now I'm a hacker. All right, I'm going to go home and tell that to my family. Grandma is now a hacker. I am so cool. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lego bricks and hacking. I'm in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> What were you, I'm sorry, Dan. No, that's, you know what? I was just going to say, Ken, I think that I've seen online that um, some companies actually want to hire older teenagers who know how to hack. And so have you seen that anywhere online? Um, I've seen a little bit of that. I mean, what what a lot of companies want is people that understand, that, that are interested in getting into the roots of how things work. And if they can, you know... Once you figured out how to hack something, you know how to fix it, and you probably know how to make it better. So it makes mm-hmm. total sense to, to to look for those people. I mean, the guy, I a lot of that kind of person becomes become engineers, become coders, and or become the kind of people that that go out every day and install satellite dishes and and you know fix home alarms and things like that. So absolutely. So, Ken, while we're talking about sites, you know, how do I, as a a parent, you know, or a grandparent, recognize a a safe site, a good site? I mean, there's just thousands of them out there. Is there any way I can judge whether a site is safe or not for my child? Well, I mean, first of all, there are a number of of, uh, services out there that can, you know, guide you places. It's always a good idea, first of all, Start with a place that you can be confident with. For example, you know any of the Disney sites, pretty safe place to start. Um, 
maybe uh, ABC Mouse or, or Nickelodeon or whatever. And you can usually trust that if they are connecting to something, if you go from one to the next, you're going to be okay. I think it's uh, usually a good idea just from an overall security standpoint. If you pay attention to, you know, browsers actually give you a lot of information about the sites that you're going to when you click on them. And if you see uh, the, the address bar that you're working in, it, it shows usually a green color if you're on a site that has uh, what's called SSL, or it, it, it's a site that starts with HTTPS, on forward slash forward slash, which means they're delivering everything securely over the Internet. There's encryption on it. That usually means they're taking the extra step to make sure that what they're delivering to you is safe. And so those, uh, you know, that's the only kind of place that you ever want to do, for example, online commerce over. And you know, so you don't lose either your passwords or your credit card information. So, uh, right. but, you know, I always recommend, you know, go check out, for example, PBS Kids, great place for parents to start. Common Sense Media does a whole lot about reviewing other sites that are good places for kids. Those are those are a few suggestions. Those are great suggestions. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, let's go back to your favorite activities for secondary school age children. What's what's your favorite ones for that? For those ages. Well, let's see. I mean, you know, at that, you're starting to get into a level where the kids want to do more themselves. They have the ability and even just the gross motor skills to start doing a little bit more. Maybe you, you might even think about doing some, some wealth, some soldering or things like that. But, um, you know, one good example I would start with that, you know, in this book, I, I do a little bit of food a little, little uh, you know, making treats and cooking and stuff. And one of the things that I liked was uh, actually making candy molds out of your toy. So literally, you can buy the uh, moldable silicone that you can then tell your kids to go pick up a few of their toys off the floor of their room, whether it's you know Lego bricks or other, other very identifiable shaped toys. And then you can literally use moldable silicone and pour it around the toys and make a mold of the toys and then use that mold, because you can get specifically uh, food-grade silicone, and use that mold to then make chocolate candy out of, for example. So it could I be think a hilarious that's great. project for <laughs> if a kid is supposed to bring in things for their, uh, you know, for a class uh, for a class uh, uh, Easter party, have the have the kid bring in Lego brick candy. Oh mm. my gosh, that is so cool! I will say that um, Ken has other great recipes in here. Like I may pronounce, but there's Igor bars, you know, which he calls the ultimate geek dessert, you know, which is fabulous. And then we have a combination of recipes and. Um, uh, and science. My personal favorite is to measure the speed of light with chocolate. <laughs> I thought it was great. That one is a mind-bending project that actually works. I've, you know, I've done it myself. I've known other people that have done it themselves. And it's yeah. really kind of crazy. 
and, and I mean, I can go into the science for your readers if, or for your listeners if you want, but it, it really works. Yeah, well, you know, it's like science of chocolate. One more, I mean, only if we were all old enough, we would add wine to it. But then, then it would be complete. <laughs> but we're in great shape. The short explanation is that the way your microwave works is with microwaves. And how they create heat is waves interfering with each other to excite the molecules in whenever you're warming up. If you lay a nice, matte, brown, dark bar of chocolate in your microwave and you run it for a little while, you'll see the hot spots starting to show up on the bar of chocolate. You can eat, and those indicate the hot spots or the, uh, the, the, where the waves are interfacing with each other to, to you know, cause the molecules to, to, uh, to vibrate harder. Well, if you measure the distance between those hot spots, you can actually verify the speed of light by that measurement. It, I see that you actually have the directions how to do that in your book. Yeah, yep. Yep. That's great. Okay, we're all going to go do the, the speed of light kind of with, break, with chocolates. All right, we're talking to Ken Denmi. We're having a great time here talking about lots of great activities and things that you can do with kids. When you're, When we come back... We're going to talk about balance in life, and we're going to talk about, is it okay for kids to be bored? What's the advantage of that? And we're going to talk a little bit about the balance between inside and outside play, so stay with us. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN. The Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at caught between generations.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to Quilt Between Generations. I am Dr. Merle, and I'm here with my new fabulous co-host, Deanna Albrecht, and we've been having a great time with Ken Denmead. He is the author of a series of books on geek dads. We've been talking about uh, a guide to weekend fun, but he also has written some other books, including the Geek Dad book for aspiring mad scientists, the coolest experiments and projects for science fairs and family fun. In fact, we were just talking about speed of light and chocolate. How much better could it get? But Not much better, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. We're just like enthused. We're talking about chocolate. So, Ken, let, let, let's talk about some other issues. So, let's talk about, you have a, a, a quote about that you think this is the golden age of board games. I will tell you, I was really surprised when I read that um, because I think most of us think the board games have kind of gone to the wayside. Well, you know, there's, there's it, it, it may be a generational thing, and, and definitely it, it's a factor of those of us who grew up on the on the geek side of things had more exposure to to the greater variety of board games that are out there because for the longest time, what everybody thought of as board games, especially just here in America, and, and this shows a little bit of our of our isolation for some time here in America culturally, was that we had you know, uh, Monopoly and and Risk and Sorry and Life and all of those games. And we got kind of bored with them. They're not all great games. They, they're some of the most popular games, but their structures, you know, who hasn't gotten stuck in a three-hour-long game of Monopoly where <laughs> it was hard to finally actually win? And it's kind of a mean-spirited game. And, and, and there are so many, like, family rules variants just to make it so that it either it ends faster or it isn't quite as mean to, to uh, people that are sort of losing. So, but, you know, growing up, uh, you know, I used to play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid. And when you went to the stores, the hobby stores, that, especially the game stores, you would see all these really exotic-looking European, what they called European board games, because uh, people in Germany and, and all through Europe were creating some really fascinating games. These games, a lot of people, uh, these days, a lot of people have heard of, for example, a game called Settlers of Catan, which has sort of become the, the, the flag bearer for this whole other world of strategy-type games and other board games that, that are out there that haven't gotten a lot of exposure over time but are getting it now. And if you can even go down to your local Target, for example, and look at the board game section there, and, and Target has started carrying a lot more of these really fascinating, not necessarily alternative, but this, this, these new generations of board games that have so much imagination to them, and whose rules are so much deeper, more involved, more interesting, more fun than the old standards that we're used to. Um, I, I, and there, what, what a lot of fun is there are games that are cooperative games that can be excellent for families to play where the point isn't for one member of the family to beat everybody else, but it's for everybody to work together to beat the game. And oh, that's, so, I love that. Yeah. And, 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 and to get technological or, or, or geeky for a second here, one of the biggest uh, impetuses to generating this, this golden age has been Kickstarter, where a lot of people with great ideas for board games but without the ability to go walk into Hasbro and say, here's my idea, you know, build it for me, they're going out and 
reaching the communities that play these games directly and getting the funding to make these games. So you, we're, we're literally seeing dozens of new games every year coming out because of Kickstarter. So, Ken, are there new board games that are, you know, that a younger child could play, or are these primarily for older children? There, there is a huge gamut of these games. There are, there are, uh, one of my favorites that can be picked up very easily by very young kids, but can be enjoyed by adults, too, is called Sura, T-S-U-R-O. And the idea is very simply that you put down these tiles, each of, what, each of which has some sort of looping or turning or straight path on it, and you build your own path for your character to move across the board, and everybody else is building their own paths to move their characters across the board, and your path may intersect with somebody else's path, and you know, depending upon which way these random tiles cause you to go, you either fly off the board or you're the last person there. And there's a bit of randomness to it, but there's a bit of strategy to it. And there's this whole visual aspect to moving your character around. Little kids will love it and parents will totally get into the strategy. Wow. So let's talk about kind of downtime, free time, because... You know, my own feeling was is that as parents, grandparents, we basically have become like our children's personal recreation directors. You know, we feel like every moment has to be planned. There has to be either a structured activity or something else going on for them. Um, And that, you know, and why is that? Because we don't want to hear them complaining. I'm bored. There's nothing to do. Right? So we just keep planning for them. My own feeling is, and I think you're going to agree with me, is that, that this is not good, that children need to have control of some time when, when nothing is planned for them, that they have to have responsibility for and control of. I mean, do you agree with that? you disagree with that? What's your feelings about that? Well, I definitely think you, you don't have to schedule every minute of a kid's day because they're going to grow up assuming that somebody's going to schedule every minute of their day. And we we definitely don't want adults to to sort of live in that mode. Um, I think, you know, we're already doing a lot in terms of giving them the tools to uh, find things to do on their own. And we want to enforce and help them grow their creativity, which is why things like, you know, their rooms are already full of the toys that we've given them, the, the Lego kits and the books and so forth. And, what we want to do is encourage kids to explore their own imagination, to build the things that are in their minds, you know, read books, help that nurture their imaginations, and then go out and do things and create things. And so, yeah, don't, don't schedule every minute of a kid's day. Just know that on a Sunday afternoon, you set the expectation that, okay, it's your free time. Go do what you want. And if they start saying they're bored, you just go, well, then figure out what you want to do. And, and that's going to be, you know, kid, you want your kids to learn to be self-reliant in, in all aspects of their life. And one of the things you want them to get to do is figure out what to do with themselves when nobody's telling them what to do. So I think that's the perfect opportunity. 
I think the other issue, Ken, with technology is I think the assumption always is, is technology means the kids are going to be inside. It's the only place where you can have any relationship with technology. And and there is this push in the country, of course, for kids to get off their rears and spend more time outside, which has to do with weight and really an exercise. I mean, how do you view that balance between inside and, and outside play? I mean, obviously, if you're in the situation where kids can have, you know, safe, unsupervised outdoor play, you always want, I mean, you want to make it a fact of life that if it's, you know, if you don't have any homework to do and it's a beautiful day outside, go out and do something. And, you know, and it, you know there can be technology involved. Technology is just a tool and maybe, uh, you know, and, and doing things like, getting your kids a Fitbit and having the number of steps they get be part of their weekly responsibilities or have it be part of a family challenge so that, you know, them being able to meet mom or dad for steps that week is an opportunity for them, you know, something to achieve because, hey, look, I can go out and run around the block. I can go, I can go play at the park with my friends. I can go walk the dog or whatever, you know, trying to gamify some of that kind of thing into their lives and make them not chores, but opportunities or things to go do and enjoy. Okay. So let's switch a little bit. So you um, have a blog uh, on Greek dads and when you geek dad, sorry. <laughs> I am so hungry. I'm thinking about baklava. <laughs> I can't get off the food. I thought you were thinking it's all Greek to you. I don't know. <laughs> That's, so, no, actually, the way Ken explains it, it's really clear. It actually, is. even to me. I know it's a shocker, but even to me. But, Ken, you, there is a section um, on your on your blog that, that talks about geek moms. And I know that some of the geek moms have also written some books. How are they the same? How are they different? Um can you tell us a little bit about Geek Bombs? Well, I mean, it, there are, you know, there are absolutely Geek Moms out there as much as there are Geek Dads out there. And um, the background in the history is, is that Geek Mom is sort of its own thing. It was started by, by some people that were part of the Geek Dad blog early on. And I've always wanted there just to be this community of geeky people, of geeky parents. But, there is a sort. There is a little bit of a different voice to be had between geek moms and geek dads, and you know we still live in an age where <clears throat> there is a weight towards the moms having a little more of the of the daily responsibility for taking care of the kids. Uh, I, I think that's going to keep coming back to the center as we as we move on, and the culture is going to shift, and you know moms and dads are going to be sort of equal partners in the whole parenting experience. But there is a unique voice to the geek mom out there. And, you know, there's a tendency for the geeky activities that they enjoy to fill some niches that sometimes the geeky dad activities don't. And so, yeah, there is a geek mom book out there that has the same sort of uh, idea ideas for uh, geeky, uh, geeky projects for parents to do with their kids and a lot of other really good discussions about the the geeky mom experience. 
Thank when you, we Mom, return. You know, be, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, go ahead. You have one last very quick thought for this segment. Oh, I, I, I was just going to say, and it's, and, and it's been important to, to have geek moms have their own space because, you know, we've, we've understood guys being geeks for longer than moms. But you know what? There have been geeky women and girls out there just as, as long but they haven't been able to be as visible. And so the point is everybody should have uh, the same voice. Great. Actually, of course, Deanna and I would would second that. That's great. All right. When we return, we're going to be talking about really uh, geek parenting, even for infants. And we'll talk about that a little. And we're going to talk about uh, my favorite activity with shaving cream and food coloring. And Ken's last thoughts. So stay with us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. Deanna Albrecht and I are here with Ken Demid, and we're talking about geek dice. And also, actually, before the break, we were talking about geek moms and how there have been many women and girls who have been geeks for a long, long time, but they just haven't been recognized and haven't had the opportunity. And Ken's offered a great opportunity through his blog for their voice to be heard. So, Ken, we thank you for that. Um, We were having a great conversation, actually, offline that I'm going to ask Deanna to repeat what she was saying um, (laughs) about board games. Yeah, what I was saying is I love when Ken brought up the board games because our family, we get out a board game and we start playing. And I would say within 10 minutes, we're arguing over the board game. And so we've always said that we're not a game family. We want to be a game family, but we just can't play board games. We just fight. And so I love that he talked about playing board games and that you can play the games that you're joining together as a team to beat the game. 
I, I think that's what all of Ken's activities have to do with, with bringing families together mm-hmm. uh, in a cooperative way. I mean, we have the same problem in my family. I mean, my husband will hate me for saying this, but it's true. He gets very, very competitive. And I'm like, calm down, you know, stop, you know, you're not buying hotels for real here, you know, <laughs> this is just fake money, calm, <laughs> calm down, you know, so we end up not doing and, and, it because. It, it brings up a really good point that parents who want to do activities like this, especially board games like this, should probably have a conversation before doing it with the kids about what your expectations are when you're playing these games with the kids. Because, yeah, mm-hmm. people will be competitive. And if you start acting competitive and trying to beat a kid, a kid's not going to have any fun and is not going to want to do it the next time. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so it's not about letting the kids win, but it's letting the kids have an enriched experience. So as I told you before, this is Deanna's um, first time as the co-host. And, and as with any new experience, you should get like totally embarrassed um, the first time you do anything. Oh, no. And you should like go through a hazing, right? <laughs> For your first time. Isn't that right, Ken? Absolutely. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I thought he was going to say no. Give him no, no. <laughs> See, Ken is in agreement. So, what I'm going to ask Deanna to do now, and she did not know this, is I just love, I just love these tech little nursery rhymes um, that Ken has in his book. And one of them is based on this little piggy, which is something, even though. You know, Deanna and I are different ages and our children are different ages. I'm sure that we all did with our babies. So I'm going to, did you not do that? I did it. Yeah, right, we right, did it. Right, this it's been a piggy, long time. Right, so this little piggy went to market. Right. right? So I'm going to ask her to actually read Ken's version. Okay. Tech version. And I, and I haven't read it yet. She so hasn't we're gonna read it so, together. So this is the first reading from our, my new co-host of Ken's Nursery Rhyme for Techies. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Go. The, this little robot went to Mars. This little robot stayed home. This little robot had a recharge. This little piggy had none. And this little robot cried bleep, 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 bleep all the way home. <laughs> okay, that was cute. <laughs> it is, you could take the bleep, bleep, bleep a couple different ways. Bleep, 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 tech or bleep, bleep, bleep. I can't say that word. <laughs> Yeah, which was right, because, you know, at 10 o'clock at night when you're trying to get the baby to sleep and you really would like to kill them, that would be good. That would yeah. be like a release, an emotional release for you. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. That was great. And and thank you, Ken, for doing that. So, Ken, let's get to the geeky art with shaving cream and food coloring. All right? Absolutely. Because I really love, um, as a as a play therapist in my younger years, all right, shaving cream was a great activity because for uh, if you leave shaving cream out on a table overnight, it gets hard, and it doesn't. You can actually throw it, and it doesn't. <laughs> it does, and it doesn't fall apart. So it it became a great activity. But tell us about the geeky art prints. Well, this is an interesting one. This was a. <clears throat> A project idea that was suggested by uh, by Matt Blum and his wife Jen that they had done it with their kids. Uh, he's uh, he's the uh, uh, editor in chief at Geekhead, and it's a very simple, very straightforward, but produces some really beautiful results. And it's simply you mixing uh, colored food dyes with shaving cream, 
and then using cardboard to draw, to pull these colored foams across paper, and you will get some incredible colorful patterns. It's, it's uh, one of the one of the descriptions of it is sort of like you remember all those beautiful Victorian books with these amazing end papers that had beautiful pastel or or pixel, you know, different different shapes and stuff on. And it, it's sort of like a manual spirograph in a way that you can just create amazing shapes and colors and uh, and then you let them dry and they can be art to put up on the wall. Yeah, it's, it's sort of it's definitely one step beyond just finger painting. It's it's a it's, it gives the child a lot more ability to create with it. And uh, and I think it's it's a simple and a, you know, easy to clean up. You know, it's you know, soap shaving chrome is just soap anyway, so it cleans up really well. And uh, it, it's a really pretty simple project with materials that you probably already got around the house. I think that's great, Ken. Any last thoughts for us? Anything you you want to share with us? Um, I, I I always try and reinforce the idea, and and. I, I see it so much in the current generations that are coming forward is that parenting is a partnership. And, you know, mom and dad or dad and dad or mom and mom or whatever the combination is, you're both in this together to raise these children and these children are parts of both of you. And so, <clears throat> and so uh, make sure that the communication between mom and dad or parent and parent is always there. And then make sure you're always communicating with your kid because it's so often, I see so many parents that just, you know, if there's no communication with the kid, if you don't understand what the child is feeling, then, you know, the child is going to be unhappy and the parents can be unhappy. And then the way you establish those bonds, the way you create that communication is a lot of the times playing with them. And, and those types of experiences of playing, of creating, doing things together also will build and create the memories that last every, you know, all the lifetimes. So it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. Ken, give us your contact information. Tell us about your books, your blog. Well, the, the heart of it all is the, is the blog is geekdad.com and also geekmom.com. Uh, and uh, the books are uh, basically you just search geekdad on Amazon, you're going to be able to find them. Uh, there's three books all filled with projects and activities for parents and kids to do with each other, including the third book, uh, the Geek Dad book of Mad for Aspiring Mad Scientists is all about uh, science projects that parents can do with their kids or that kids can do for their science fair projects, which is really handy and, and gives people a lot of really good ideas. We've been talking to Ken Denmead, who is the author of the Geek Dad books and the Geek Blog. Ken, thank you so much for being with us today. We've had a great time and we've learned a lot. Thank you, thank Ken. Thank you so much for having me. Have a really good day. That- Thank you. You too. So, as always, I ask you to do at the end just one thing for yourself. So, one of those things this week is 
think about something that you'd like to do, that you have fun doing, that you enjoyed as a child, perhaps, and do that with your child or your children or your grandchildren. You'll be more relaxed. You'll give yourself some time off, which you desperately need, and you'll actually have fun and maybe even find some time to laugh and actually have a good time. You know, as a caregiver, things just get too intense, and we just don't take the time to just really have a little bit of humor. So this is Dr. Merle and... And Deanna. That's right. And we are saying we hope you have a great week. And as always, remember to do just one thing for yourself. Even if it's just laugh, just watch a funny comedy show and just give yourself permission to have a little fun, really. It'll make such a big difference to you. Take good care of yourself. You mean a lot to a lot of people. So you really need to take good care of yourself. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week.